0: Welcome to You've Gotta Taste This, the podcast where food people tell you about recipes that you've simply got to taste. I'm your host, Adam Roberts, and I've been writing about food for almost 20 years. I love to cook, and even more, I love to talk about cooking. So let's get started. My guest today is Homa Dashtaki, the founder of White Mustache Yogurt, along with her father, and the author of the brand new cookbook, Yogurt and Whey. Here's the message that she sent me.
1: Hi, Adam. This is Homa from White Mustache Yogurt. You've got to try this yogurt way and the magical pancakes that we can make with it. Good luck, and I look forward to chatting about it.
0: Bye. So here's my conversation with Homa all about those whey pancakes. And spoiler alert, they were truly the greatest pancakes I've ever made. I am not joking. And I have pictures and the recipe up on my blog, AmateurGourmet.com. So head over there if you want to make them too. And now here's my conversation with Homa Dashtaki. All right. Well, uh, Homa, it's so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for doing my podcast. Congratulations on your brand new cookbook, Yogurt and Whey.
1: Thank you so much. Um, It is great to be here.
0: So I'm just going to cut to the chase. So I asked you to send me a recipe to make, and you sent me, um, whey pancakes basically, which is the liquid that comes out of yogurt when you strain it. And then you mix that together with eggs and flour and sugar. And I, when I, when you sent that to me, I was like, okay, like pancakes, you know, how good could that be? But I made them for breakfast this morning and oh my God. Wow. They were so good. I had no idea that way could do all that. So why is it so good? What's the secret?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I was really scared to send you the pancakes, because like, it's just just pancakes, you know, and I want to really make a splash with the way and to like talk about how special and amazing it is. And I'm like, no pancakes, like that's how special and amazing it is like this recipe that's totally familiar to all and and my whole mission is to make way accessible and you know familiar and not this like weird like whoa what is that um and and like whey has done all sorts of different things but i think the reason it works really well in pancakes is because it's like very acidic so it's not it's not like anything i've invented like buttermilk is in pancakes and like Mm -hmm. we've used milk in pancakes and but the whey has no fats in it so it's just pure liquid way like all of the solids remain in the yogurt that you're straining mm-hmm. off and that liquid is acidic that liquid is tangy that liquid is still milk so it has like a dairy mouth feel but i i think because of the probiotics and because of the acidity it also tenderizes a little yeah. bit of the the flour. But the real magic I feel in the pancake is that it's still got a ton of natural sugars in it. So mm-hmm. it crisps up as you fry it. Um, and so those natural sugars just caramelize in a different way. And I I also was like, maybe you should do the turkey. But then I thought uh,
0: that was a huge commitment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of cooking. But the, the other thing about the pancakes was the, the fluffiness because of the... Um, I guess the the reaction between the acid and the baking powder yeah. and the baking soda. So they, I mean, they really bubbled up. And, yeah. you know, the first batch I made, I, I had like a ton of butter in there and I gave those to my husband because he can eat anything and stay skinny. But the second <laughs> batch I made, I used less butter, but it was, they got really fluffy and like puffy. And uh, and yeah, like when I ate them, they, had, they, they were crisp on the outside, fluffy on the inside, but they also were tangy. So yes, I was a fan, um, but I feel like, you know, your whole book is about yogurt and whey. So I guess the first question I would really ask you is how did you get so into yogurt and whey?
1: Um, So I've always had yogurt in my life. We made it at home constantly. I took it for granted and I accidentally ended up starting a yogurt business because I wanted (laughs) to have an activity with my dad. Like we would go to the California farmers markets, have a little booth and, you know, we would make, 12 gallons of yogurt a week and the reaction that we got when we went to the stalls of people being like wow this is amazing is I realized that like no one had had yogurt like this before it made mm-hmm. very artisanally very slow um our yogurt takes three days to make from start to finish um and that was like a very big like aha moment like oh I think we're on to something mm-hmm. and and so everything just happened kind of uh, very naturally. I was like, okay, now I'm in a yogurt business and uh, <laughs> I'm I'm straining out the yogurt to make whey. And because I'm working in small batch and I'm like boiling the milk, I'm like incubating it and then I'm straining it. Like I feel every single drop of milk that goes into that batch of yogurt. And mm-hmm. a while a while like, Greek yogurt and strained yogurt is familiar. This liquid elixir that you get after this whole process, I'm like, that's like the most magical drops. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's extremely hydrating. It's got all these nutrients. And I'm just like, I don't even know what to do with this. So I started doing everything with it. Like, I used it it. from skincare to food to the turkey to like very simple pancakes that i'm so thrilled that you liked
0: do you do you drink whey? like as a drink
1: uh, yeah i i drank whey, and when i first like thought about making it into a product i just put it in a bottle slapped a label on it that said like liquid whey, and i was like i was like i'm gonna be a millionaire this is
0: gonna <laughs> be
1: <awesome."> <laughs> <laughs> and it was like it was like wah, wah, wah. no like, no was they were like I don't know if I'm gonna like it like why is it neon yellow I'm like ah I don't I just like it's yogurt way it was like so it was just so obvious to me and yeah we always just drank it kind of like Gatorade like that's how I always like it was just high super hydrating um your body digests it really easily um
0: I have some extra I, from my straining so maybe I'll drink it this this afternoon. Yeah.
1: I I suggest drinking it. And my favorite is like making a cocktail with it in the evening. Okay.
0: What's the cocktail? What do you make?
1: I do super simple. I like adding pineapple juice and rum. That's my favorite. Or you can do, uh, add a little bit of lime, some slices of jalapeno and tequila. That's also good. Um, And
0: that provides
1: a very creamy, like, Almost like when you have an egg white in a in a cocktail.
0: Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. So in the in the book, I mean, I, this it's, I should tell people like this is a gorgeous book, and it's coming out. When when does it come out? It comes out the end of February.
1: Officially on March seventh.
0: March seventh. And mm-hmm. the, the, you know, you sort of, we, you didn't mention the name of your business, but you run, you know, a yogurt empire called White Mustache. <laughs> and it's always, it's always like listed as the, be- some of the best yogurt you can buy. Um, and, but what I thought was so cool is that you give away your trade secrets. You basically give the recipe for yogurt right out of the gate. And I was reading it. And like you said, it's a three-day process and it involves blankets it involves a large pot, it involves a teacup. Um, so since this is already in the book, would you mind walking our listeners through the process that of them trying to create or actually creating this yogurt at home?
1: Yeah, um, I will credit my friend Nami for encouraging me to reveal all my secrets. And and the reason is integral to the process a little bit because she was like, you know, if I give you my recipe for my mom's secret, you know, noodles, you will be able to get it to taste the same, but you can't recreate it. In fact, Mm -hmm. it'll just become your very own. I love that.
0: That's really nice.
1: It was so beautiful and so generous. And I'm like, good for you, Nami. (laughs) (laughs) And it really inspired me to be like, That is the like every single batch that we make at the factory is even different, you know, and like now we've gotten like to treat it like as an art, as a science, as a, a gift, as like, you know, this magical process. And so the thought of this now existing in people's homes and them making batches that are their very own is so exciting and beautiful to me um because even like the milk that you would use in california will be different Mm. than the milk someone uses in oregon it reminds
0: me of like sourdough bread like when everyone was making sourdough it's like you can follow a recipe for sourdough but it's like there's so many factors that will change your loaf from everybody else's so yeah as much as it's a proprietary thing there's also the fact that like most people are not going to go through the trouble of making this yogurt. I mean, if they if they buy this book, they will. But like, you don't have to worry about someone like running away with your business. It's like, no, but it's...
1: this is this is my crazy immigrant paranoia. I'm just like, what? How does everyone not want to do this? This is like <laughs> amazing, fun, like exciting thing. I want I can... to.
0: I'm gonna do it now. I mean, it's so funny because like I'd read so many cookbooks that were like strain yogurt overnight, and you'll have labna. And I was like, "That's so much work. Like, I can't do that." And then, like, I did it for this recipe. It's like that was the easiest thing in the world. I literally just put cheesecloth in a strainer, dumped in yogurt, and went to bed. Um, but okay, so your recipe. So That's there's literally a literally
1: how we do it at the factory too. We like put it in cheesecloth in two and a half gallon batches. But the recipe, yeah, it's I I wrote it um, almost like a dance, and I wrote mm. it kind of like as like a tribute to the sacred ingredient, which is milk. So I encourage that when you start off making yogurt, you use the purest form of this ingredient, which is like the mother's milk of this cow, right? And so get raw, unhomogenized milk and take the time to source that if you can. Like that's where like the magic and the masterpiece really is is in this milk, and then we're just gonna celebrate this ingredient the whole way through the process. Okay. Um, so then you heat up the milk, um, and I like to get the milk all the way to boiling because then you don't need a thermometer. You know when that milk is boiling because it's about to ruin your whole fucking stove. Um,
0: <laughs> That's fine. <laughs>
1: um, and and you know so like you get it to boil and then you cool it down and you put it in like an insulated bowl like earthenware bowl or a ceramic bowl and then you just wait there's so much waiting in the yogurt making process um and I I believe that like as you're waiting for that yogurt to cool down to temp like having a conversation around it helps it to like taste different it gets it like a nice vibe um like those scientific papers you read about like how playing music to plants or talking to plants. Um, and so we play reggae uh, to our yogurt most of the time.
0: Uh, <laughs> Is that in the book? Should I try to add that in the margins? to That's, play a, some? that's,
1: a, that's, a, that's a secret <laughs> for your listeners. Secret. Okay,
0: all right. I love it. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but then when it gets to temperature, again, it's like a very instinctual temperature. Like it's a, we do a pinky test, which is not something I've invented. This is like every culture's grandparents knows about the pinky test. And it's just the temperature that you can hold your pinky into the milk for three seconds. It's kind of like where yeast also gets activated Mm -hmm. and it's not too hot and it's not too cold for the probiotics to thrive and to, to inoculate basically the milk and turn it into yogurt. And I think the best part of making yogurt at home is that you can use mother culture to make your next culture. So that Mm -hmm. does live on over time. And you just take a few scoops of like the yogurt in your fridge, you put it in the teacup, you add the warmed milk, you mix it up, dilute it, and then pour it into your cooled down milk, that's like perfectly at temperature. And I,
0: I love that it's a teacup too. It's like, it could be like a, a something else, but I like the specificity of a teacup. That's really nice. Yeah.
1: Um, I think that's just what I always used. And I was yeah. like, you know, the memories might be specific to me, but it's the only way I know how to share them. Um,
0: and, and in terms you- of the the mother yogurt, I mean, could we go to the grocery store and buy any yogurt and mix it with, um, you know, it doesn't matter like if it's, yeah. Fancy or cheap, or just yogurt mixed yes. in with the milk. Okay. Correct.
1: You just want to make sure it's plain, unflavored. So right. um, don't accidentally pick up vanilla, like just <laughs> super plain, unflavored. Um, I think Faye is my best nationwide available um, starter. But then after you do that with that the, the store bought starter, you can use your own homemade yogurt as right. the starter going on. Um, and, and it'll take a life of its own. It'll just, you know, be your own very thing. Um, and then once you add that culture to the cooling down milk, you wrap it up in blankets. And the idea is for that milk to just hold its temperature, to let the bac- the bacteria do the thing. And then you set it up at night and then you go to bed and the yogurt sleeps, you sleep. And in the morning you unwrap this blanket. And like you'll take off the lid, you'll take a whiff of like that milk, and it will have turned into yogurt. It's like the wow. most magical process. I feel like if I were ever to like lay an egg, that's what it would feel
0: like. <laughs> uh, we'll do that on the next podcast. That'll be the follow up episode. <laughs> um, so, yogurt. That's, Lays egg. Uh, <laughs> that'd be really popular. Um, <laughs> so, that, so you to this process. So, I read a little bit about you. You and I have something in common, which is that I went to law school. You were a practicing lawyer for a while. Um, And so in terms of getting into business with your father, like taking this left turn, like what was that decision like? And and did you foresee that this would become your career when you started doing it?
1: I, no, I didn't foresee that. I really liked being a lawyer. Like, okay. but I like the clothes a lot. and (laughs) I I just like that. It was work that I wasn't emotionally invested in like that. It was something like, I'm just going through the motions and, and now I have a product and a business that is so intrinsically tied to my identity. So intrinsically Mm -hmm. tied to a lot of beauty, but a lot of pain about like my history and, like sometimes I miss those days when I just walk into an office, do a job, and leave and, like, psh, um, not have to worry about it. And now. What kind I,
0: of uh, law did you practice?
1: I did uh, securities law, so like corporate law. Um, got it. And, and in the 2009 crash, um, I got laid off because um, wow. that work just totally disappeared. And I was at a big corporate law firm. Um, and I thought actually, after I got laid off, that I would like now use my skills because i thought these were like the only marketable skills i had to just you know work at a smaller shop or a different shop and i found myself gravitating towards helping other small food businesses Mm -hmm. like in very weird ways that surprised me like negotiating their lease or negotiating a, a buyout contract or negotiating a you know a foray into like producing for frozen for frozen aisles and i was just like there's something about me gravitating to this world and i just didn't fight it but it took me three years before i even like entered the yogurt space and even when i did that i was like oh this isn't gonna be a real thing like i'm just doing it with my dad i'll do it to spend time with him it was when we we got shut down in california okay um about three months into uh, going to the farmer's markets. And it was due to a regulatory issue. And that triggered this perfect little marriage of my legal past and my like, you know, yogurt future. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to fight this. And I fought like the regulations. I fought the thoughts behind it. It was like two years of going up to Sacramento, lobbying for this, this little yogurt business to thrive at like, we were making like eight gallons a week and it like, I wasn't getting the permission that I needed to. And so I picked up and I went across the whole country. I went up to Oregon, I went to Tennessee. I even thought about going abroad. I was like, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna prove the point that like, we can make these like handmade products safely. And, Mm. and I ended up in New York and for, for what it's worth, like the cliche of being like a food town, like Brooklyn really gets it. And Brooklyn yeah. gave me home and they were like, yeah, you know, like you're not up to snuff with the regulations, but we want to work with you because we know that when you generate even six jobs and a product that's like from here, that's really important. And, what was
0: the um, um issue, like specifically, like what was the regulation that you were fighting?
1: So... Uh, human hands aren't supposed to touch dairy at all. From the moment it goes into the heating process to the mm-hmm. moment it gets capped into the final product, it's supposed to all be done by machine. And I think that's why my yogurt does taste different because after it gets heated up in the vat, it all gets done by hand, very similarly to how I encourage you to make it at home. Like we mimic that process to a T and like we honor that process to the point that it's like inhibited my own growth sort of as a Mm. business, but like in, in a way that I'm very proud of. And, and so we also fought to be like, no, we're going to strain by hand. We're going to fill these jars with like eight cherries per jar by hand. Right, and,
0: right. Um, I see. So it's really just the, the manual labor of doing it versus the automation. That's so fascinating because it's like so dystopian that like our government yeah. wants like robots to make our food rather than humans. But
1: yeah, and, and I went from being really irate and indignant and angry and very young about it. Um, to <laughs> Like, oh, they just don't know. They don't know that yeah. like, you know, they're trying for ease of safety and public health um, I do think like a lot of it is like barrier to entry, um, mm-hmm. issues, but I, you know, I now welcome the conversation as opposed to just ready to like, you know, I think that's how that's, that's the best way for me to sometimes fight it now, um, to and be a what little about more
0: the, What about the, the milk itself? Cause you talked about unpasteurized yeah. milk. Was that another battle or were you able to use that?
1: Yep. So I've I've picked my battles with doing it handmade process. And the thing that you can do at home that I can't do at the factory is use mother culture um mm-hmm. to make the previous batch. I have to use a powdered culture to start. Okay. And that breaks my heart a little bit. Um but that's a that's a fun, amazing thing that you could do at home. Um Got it. That you can't do at the factory. Um and then in terms of milk, um, it is easier to source homogenized pasteurized milk and mm-hmm. like when you're making a small batch at home i recommend using raw unhomogenized milk for which for a long time in california was like illegal like there were yeah. teams breaking, and breaking down the
0: <laughs> where um, do you even get it in california i mean i've never seen it maybe i don't go to the right places like maybe like air One would have it or something
1: maybe um i also think that there are regular like cottage level regulations like if you have two cows you're allowed to like sell your unpasteurized milk but it's like it might require a trip you know yeah Um,
0: well i mean i remember like learning that like european cheeses are so much better than american cheeses because they used unpasteurized milk to make them and i guess importing that kind of cheese like for a long time was illegal but i guess they maybe loosened up a little bit because now if you go to like a cheese shop you'll see like unpasteurized this or that. So yeah. I guess people are, you know, I think as food has become more important to people in America, these regulations yeah. are changing. But it's cool that you're at the forefront of it. And you got to use your legal skills. Yeah,
1: I think my legal skills gave me the confidence to be a food person, in a know. Yeah. And, and I think the reason it happens with unpasteurized milk in Europe is they just have like such a long standing history of it. Mm-hmm. And I came with a very similar perspective of like, Oh, no no like this form of milk is the safest most delicious form of milk and so let's talk about the actual health reasons behind why it does feel safer if we've like homogenized and pasteurized our milk so even now we we get all our milk in in new york from the hudson valley region it's called okay. hudson valley fresh and it's a co-op of family farms um and they're, they're just so wonderful to work with um, and just generations of dairy farmers that we get to interact with and learn from.
0: It's that's so, so cool. cool. Well, the other aspect of your business that I wanted to ask you about was working with your father and what it was like starting a business with family because, you know, it's that's a big uh, venture, especially <laughs> if I did that with my family, I'd probably go crazy. So I'm curious what that was like.
1: Yeah, no, I am. Um... There are gonna be a lot of four letter words that like to really describe <laughs> this, like <Yeah. laughs> honestly. Um, I think the nice parts of it, the really special parts of it, is that you get to interact with your family mm-hmm. in in almost like non-family ways. Like I got to talk to my dad about like, how long should we strain this yogurt for? How much honey should we add to this flavor? Mm -hmm. I got to talk to my sister about like, you know, how do we staff up for this next step we want to do? Should we launch popsicles like these, these kinds of conversations are so outside the realm of like normal family conversations that it was nice to interact with them as individuals and like Mm -hmm. we have a common like you know thing to achieve and that part was really special um and I think the rest of it is like (laughs) um it's challenging right because you just in it every day with each other and you have to be really good about maintaining boundaries you have to be really good about like keeping space you have to be really good that like your 17-year-old high school self doesn't pop up and, like, just get triggered by, like, a criticism, you know?
0: Oh, my God. I mean, I'm a writer. Even when I tell my mom an idea for something, and she's like, no, that's not good. Like, I'll spend, like, a week, like, why did she say that? And it's it's easy to get triggered, you know? Yeah. um,
1: Yeah. And with my dad, I've actually now, like, just kind of pushed him aside um, from the business side of it. And he does i mean he's gotten older so it's, right. it's a little easy but he he mostly does like recipe development comes up with new flavors mm-hmm. um and yeah it is hard like when she when he criticizes me on a business decision i'm like crippled for like weeks and right. it took me a while to be like you know i'm i'm gonna just create this little boundary and you might not be the person i go to for some advice
0: Well, it's a nice segue, actually, because, you know, a big part of this book is it's not just yogurt. I mean, there's a lot of um, recipes in here for Persian dishes, like Persian egg drop soup I just saw, but like Mm -hmm. um, stews and things. So I was curious, can you talk a little bit about your family's background? And you talked about immigrant culture, um, but like coming, you know, how you sort of, um, you know, carry on the tradition of your family's, your ancestry and the the dishes in this book.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also been such a blessing to this line of work because I'd like just push that aside when I like put on my lawyer persona, right and now, I fully embrace kind of like the messiness that is me existing in America today. Mm-hmm. Um, and my family is Zoroastrian. Um, we come from Iran. I was born there. I was born on the eve of the revolution and I came here <laughs> when I was seven during the Iran Iraq War. Wow. And we moved here to Orange County, California, which had a cluster of other fellow Iranian Zoroastrians. And it made us feel very safe. And like to this day, I feel very safe with this community and just get to feel like myself and not have to explain anything. Like mm-hmm. if they were listening to this podcast, they would be like, this yogurt thing, like why are you making such a big deal out of it? You know, and also like they would have like 10 other different ways that they right. do
0: it. A teacup, you gotta use a thermos. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um
1: there, you know, like and I I just love I just love that. I just love that tethered feeling I have with them. And so we've had that since we immigrated here. Um, and just always kind of held on to that as I've moved across the the country and through my life. Um mm-hmm. and the food is is almost my way of being able to talk about that. You know, I could have mm-hmm. I could have used other uh props in order to access these identity issues or these like things that I find very funny and quirky and weird. Um, and also like probably. Extremely universal, like, you know, that this, you know, Iranian Zoroastrian immigrant has probably a lot in common with someone who's completely opposite, you know? Right. Um, Totally. And I think food does that, whether it's the writing or the recipes or the frustration. Like there's a couple recipes in there I wrote that like took me years to even like comprehend how the technique was like, because I learned them from elders who were just like terrible at giving recipe notes you know like just do enough of this and wait for like that to get stretchy I'm like what Mm -hmm. does that mean (laughs) um but those brought up stories they brought up memories they brought up sadnesses Mm -hmm. that I was able to like you know tap into not only personally but maybe just put in the book um
0: well what's so interesting to me too about this book is that I I had a guest on in a previous episode, um, Karan Sony, who has an Indian background, and the dish he had me make was called Kima Pau. And it was sort mm-hmm. of lamb, lamb, but it's like cooked in yogurt. So it's sort of like hot yogurt with like all these spices and stuff. And that was a revelation for me because, you know, the idea of eating yogurt in a savory dish that's warm it was almost like an Indian sloppy joe like it sort of had that texture to it but it had all the spice and warmth. but the yogurt lent it so much depth and and acidity as you said um and it worked so well and so I'm looking at these recipes and it's like yogurt stew mas yeah. uh, for Yes, yeah, that,
1: that's the one I was thinking of it's very much like what you describe it's and it's yeah. so comforting there's something about the yogurt savory that is very comforting
0: yeah and so i mean is yogurt as central to persian cooking um as it's seen i mean it feels like you centered your book around this but would other people also say that yogurt is a central ingredient too is that sort of how it feels
1: yeah. I mean, I'm obviously a biased person to <laughs> right. answer the question, but I, I think given that I landed on it kind of not thinking, I was like, this is a food that I take for granted. And mm-hmm. the only reason I picked yogurt to make with my dad to take to farmer's markets is because like I knew we could make it in our sleep. I knew we ate it all the time. <laughs>
0: right. um,
1: I think I, I, I could easily have chosen tea or rice and both of those recipes are also in the book pretty okay. predominantly. Like there's one ingredient. I think Iranians do one ingredient things as a base really well, like with milk or with rice or with tea and, mm-hmm. or with grapes. And I think that I wanted to celebrate that in the book. Um, and, and, and I think yogurt is a predominant feature. Like I remember it being at every lunch and dinner Mm-hmm. table um, I think it helps in digestion I think yeah I
0: was gonna ask you about there. that
1: cause... and we don't have it for breakfast which was oh. the real weird you know so and a lot of my whey recipes are breakfast oriented right. um, but also my yogurt I know is eaten here in America mostly as a breakfast food and I've I've flavored my fruit on the bottom as a sweet yogurt Um, when Iranians traditionally have most of our yogurt savory for lunch and dinner.
0: Mm, That's so interesting. I made granola last week with um, so much sugar and so much honey, and we were eating it with yogurt and like my husband's like dumping it in. I was like, you know, it's kind of like candy. Like we're having candy for breakfast with a little <laughs> yogurt. Um, I was going to say that, I mean, you mentioned the probiotics in the way, but it feels like our culture has shifted a bit in terms of interest in gut health and gut bacteria. And it feels like that's got to be a good thing for your company and stuff. And I was curious, like how has that growing interest in probiotics and gut bacteria like helped? you market your business.
1: Yeah, I think I'm a little bit at at a disadvantage because I've never approached the yogurt as a science. Mm. So I don't have any of those stats or any of those like, you know, um, scientific details that I I like to tap into because I do think everybody is different and everybody responds to food differently. But I do believe that like the probiotics that are in the yogurt do help you digest your food I do think how you digest your food and your general gut health in general like affects your mental health as well Um, and I think that all I can do is just make this purest form of yogurt accessible to people Mm -hmm. and I know that my probiotics are alive I know they're alive because they made yogurt and Mm -hmm. You know and in the bottles of whey, there's billions and billions of probiotics like i carefully picked those seven strains of bacteria to be in each each batch for both the taste and for the health you know diversity of of of, of bacteria so i all mm-hmm. i could do is just provide it and yes. if people resonate to it because of the taste or the health or um they love it, then I'm so grateful for that. And I'll just leave it in your
0: hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was well said. Uh, so I'm curious, like as somebody who's never started a food business, mm-hmm. um, can you talk a little bit, you talked about going to farmer's markets and selling it there, but what we, I feel like we kind of missed the step where your yogurt started to show up in stores and make its way around the country. And so how did you go? I mean, did you go on Shark Tank? Like what was the secret? <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, there is no secret. Um, And I did it very slowly um, and over 10 years ago now. So I came to New York. um, I had my little heartbreak in California in 2011. We Mm -hmm. fought for the regulations to change for two years. I realized it wasn't going to. And then I came to New York in 2013 and when I came to New York in 2013, I just wanted to prove a point that like mm-hmm. I can make healthy yogurt and delicious yogurt, and that was kind of it. Um, and I went to four stores with little jars of of yogurt um, as samplers, and I was like, you know, here are here is the yogurt. If you're interested, let me know. And it was just kind of like a crapshoot. Like, I didn't even have a place to live in New York City when I went there. Um, <laughs> okay. And we were making yogurt out of Salvatore Brooklyn Ricotta's facility um, uh-huh. near the Navy Yards. And um, those four stores that I went to with the samples all put in an order. And it was really? Like, when... Yeah. And they were like, when can we have them? And I was so delusional. I was like, two weeks. And <laughs> so I ordered the jars. I ordered the milk. I made... I made the yogurt back then I was making in like the same ceramic bowls that I advocate for in, in the recipes. And then four stores, you know, turned into six stores, six wow. stores, turned into eight stores. It all happened by word of mouth. I never pushed it. I was, like, sleeping on friends' couches and Airbnbs. And what were the whatever.
0: stores? Were the stores just, like, mom-and-pop shops? Or were they, like, Whole they were, Foods? Uh, it
1: was okay. it was Anne Saxelby's, Saxelby's uh-huh.
0: Cheese. Of course.
1: Yeah. Um, and it was Gastronomy 491 up mm-hmm. in uh, the Upper West Side. It was the Brooklyn Larder over at Park Slope. And... Oh, I hate myself for forgetting the fourth one. <laughs> yeah.
0: These are me. all bringing you back memories because I used to live in New York. So, I mean, Brooklyn Larder was right in my backyard because I lived in Brooklyn. Yeah, Park, so. they're
1: wonderful. Um, yeah. They're still there. They're incredible chugging
0: along. And But, okay, I'm just- curious, though, in terms of the, the labeling, because you have such cool marketing, like, you know, the labels look really cool. Like, when did that start? Like, how did you do the design and, like, make it look really posh and, you know, lavish, hmm. yogurty. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Um. my first label was designed in like Word document
0: where
1: right. I like did half the mustache and then duplicated yeah. it to like mirror the other half and it was terrible. Comic Sans font.
0: Comic Sans, Comic Sans yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um,
1: and like it was in, I always put it in a glass jar mm-hmm. because I was like, I had a lot of work to get this yogurt to be at the state it's in and I want you to see it. Like I want yes. you to see it. And i want you to see the fruit and i want you to like i i want you to know that i care about you as Mm -hmm. you're eating it and um yeah i it was it was like a it was just like a little love letter i put out into the world like i was like such a cheesy sap but i was you know always wanted it in glass for that connection i think it provided i love that and um we got very lucky uh keith o'brien uh i found him in 2013 through a friend and he Mm -hmm. was a designer and he designed the very first labels of white mustache which is the same hand it's his handwriting on every single jar really mustache that he drew and he also designed the book cover and he did the dessert section which is so just beautiful in this book and so he. Keith has elevated the brand and the labeling of the brand to, to where it is today. Um, and you know, it, it, it it all happened so slowly. Um, and I think sometimes when I hear people being like, Oh, how did you do this? I was like, you know, this happened slowly. And I, I I always hope that that makes people a little comforted that like, Oh, then I can do it too. You know? Um, it doesn't have to happen. have to happen overnight. You don't have to get aggro and get on shark tank. Like <laughs> I never spent more on the next step of my growth process than I had to spend. You know, it was just mm-hmm. like, if, if, you know, if a store wanted yogurt, I would let them know, like, this is when I can do it because this is when I can pay for it. And the thought of like overextending myself scared me because I didn't want to compromise on the quality right. and, and, and part of that is why I can prioritize the way, right? Like mm-hmm. this very uh, interesting ingredient that most people haven't heard of, I'm literally swimming in. And for me to take the time and explain it, as opposed to grow my yogurt empire, is, <laughs> is a luxury that I've given myself by being slow and thoughtful. And I just think it's so exciting when like someone like you has made the pancakes mm-hmm. and loves them. And just like I'm like, Ooh, yay! Like they're you so know, good. We, we did it. We like figured <laughs> out a way.
0: Um, I meant to ask you what what do I do? So I have all the strained yogurt, which I guess is like labna or whatever. But yeah. like I put it on like I, I smeared it on the bottom of a plate yesterday, and I put a salad on top, which was nice. <laughs> uh, but like, what is your favorite thing to do with um, strained y- plain yogurt?
1: I will use it on a sandwich, like okay. just like that, like smear it and go savory with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if I was making pancakes, I would just like almost treat it like an icing as well. Yeah, and just that's what I did. Like to, to use that. Um I I like to use it as a dip mm-hmm. if I'm trying to get through it. And I'll I'll usually put a pickle in there of some sort, like either pickled garlic shoots or a brine like some like the yogurt like i've found especially with the way drinks like tangy marries tangy really well mm-hmm. so they go together so like adding a little bit of something pickled chop it up and put it in and use it as a dip with like pita chips or
0: that sounds delicious Swiss. and um, so it, yeah. it,
1: it pairs nicely with like any sort of tangy shallots onions mm.
0: so do you ever get sick of yogurt
1: do I ever get sick of yogurt? I don't really get yogurt. Um, I only get like expired product. And even like my kids are like, mom, are you bringing yogurt home? And they're like, no. So if we're doing any taste testing, then I'll bring it. Um, I think I got a little sick of the baked goods because I tried and tested a lot yes. of baked goods. I'm with- sure.
0: Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of them in this book. I yeah, kind of want to so make the muffins next because I still have oh, a little bit of way, and those sound yeah, really good. Yeah, the
1: muffins are great. I also recommend the um, biscuits.
0: Oh um, yeah, those
1: really are really, really. I mean, yeah. I'm obviously I'm biased. That
0: should,
1: <laughs> uh, should ask like my sister. She's more like <laughs> diplomatic. Um, and uh, yeah, no. I I I also hope you get to try drinking the whey as like a cocktail. I might
0: do that. Or, yeah.
1: A mocktail with just fruit juice.
0: Um You have a recipe in here. Now, So in terms of the non-yogurt recipes, you kind of have, you have a recipe in here that's very in the moment right now. I feel like a lot of people are doing this on TikTok. Like, I see it all the time. And I saw Samin do it on her show. Um, and I've not been brave enough to do it, which is Persian rice, tadig. Uh, yeah. And you have your recipe. So can you walk us through how you make it and why I shouldn't be nervous when I do it?
1: Um. I'm still nervous when I do it, <laughs> okay. but I encourage you to just embrace it because
0: yes.
1: just like with yogurt, like once you do it, it's like no big deal. Mm-hmm. And I, I think part of the anxiety is built into uh, the, the, the recipe and it just practice makes perfect. But don't be afraid of it only because it is that single ingredient mm-hmm. um, celebration. So the ingredient here is rice. And it's a very similar sort of process to the yogurt making. Like you parboil the rice for just eight minutes. So mm-hmm. you'll boil the water, you'll add your salt and you get the rice in there. You rinsed it off. Then you get your rice in there and then you parboil it till it's eight minutes. And the way I describe it. And it's so interesting to write a recipe that I know so many women including the great Samin have made (laughs) and have like, you know, perfected. And I'm like, I'm not saying anything new, but sometimes it's a matter of like holding somebody's hand through it for their first time and thinking about like how I like love and revere this product. And it's like that eight minutes where that rice is parboiled, like you just pinch it between your hands and it breaks along like the little spine. So, you know, it's like cooked, but it's not cooked all the way. And then after that eight minutes you drain it out and you um put your pot back on the stove add let it uh heat up so it dries out totally add some butter and some oil to coat the bottom of the pan Um, if you want an all rice tadik you just leave it as is if you want a potato tadik you like cut like a few slivers of potato and place it on the bottom And then you take your drained rice and you pour it right back on top. You make, you turn it into a little pyramid and a couple holes all throughout and throw butter in the holes. And, (laughs) um, I usually, and I, you know, I usually take a piece of towel and wrap the lid up with it. So then it kind of like sits on top of the pot, all steamy and, I am not a good orator like I I so prefer to like invite you to my kitchen and do mm-hmm. this with you right next to me and sure. even, even if I'd said it perfectly um I still would prefer to like just have you with me and like treat it like a uh a, a party
0: yeah but so in terms of flipping it out and like knowing when it's done like is there a secret to knowing when it's time to do that
1: My mom claims that she can smell it. Like she can smell the moment that Mm -hmm. it's ready. And I'm like, I can't fucking smell it. Like I don't know (laughs) what you're talking about. And um to me to me it's different because I haven't like I'm sure I could get it down to a science, but I never have, because I never use the same pot or I never have the same amount of rice or I've parboiled it too long and Mm -hmm. I have to kind of like, you know just deal with it. Um, And, and so I think you just kind of wing it. And Mm. it's totally it. It always turns out fine. Okay,
0: that's good to know.
1: And Even if it doesn't turn out fine, you can just douse it with yogurt and add some salt. All right. But yeah, it really, it really does turn out fine every time. And I, I actually think the tip I would give to first time makers of the rice is People get nervous and they flip it too soon. So just right. go an extra ten minutes. Like, yeah. just fight the urge to worry about it. Um, like, wow. call call somebody who, who sometimes aggravates you and lose track of time, and then flip it after that. You
0: know. I feel like as I get better at cooking, like it, it is about pushing things right to the edge. Like even making caramel or something. It's like when I, I when I first made car- caramel, like I would like stop right when it turned like amber and now I like I wait for it to get like so dark but not burnt so it feels like it's the same thing with stuff like this yeah Um, I'm curious like when you've gone back to Iran on your visits are there things that you eat there that you can't get in the United States or that taste different there than they do here
1: um yeah and like I I don't I feel like I sound like my dad did like a while but like the fruit just tastes different like just the air that it's grown in like the the cherries and the 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 shot uh the king mulberries and you know, even the apples like they Wait, just what's
0: shot toot
1: sha is a is a black mulberry but it's like squat and juicy and very tart mm. um and yeah like you eat enough that you have like a tummy ache and your fingers are all black <laughs> and juicy and it was you know it's those food and and communal cooking is done so much more there so like i miss eating meals that are made in like pots of like for 50 people right and that kind of you know like just the food could taste however way the food tastes it's just Mm -hmm. how you eat it and who you eat it with is something that i always love reconnecting to and again like the fruit just tastes so the melons in the summertime are Mm -hmm. wild delicious
0: What about the yogurt?
1: Um, <laughs> I think the most controversial thing I might say on this whole podcast is I still think my yogurt's the best. I'm so. sure it <laughs>
0: is. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it is. Yeah.
1: But like, I you, you get you get the yogurt there in like huge plastic like one gallon buckets because uh-huh. that's how much yogurt most people eat, and so
0: Got it.
1: I. You know, and I miss like the fresh bread that you dip into it. But um, yeah, the I mean, the milk, the yogurt, excellent. The cheeses, they're excellent.
0: Well, as a final question, you know, you, I started this whole thing by asking you to send me a recipe that I had to taste, and it was wonderful. But I'm curious, what was the last you've got to taste this thing that you tasted that was like the best thing you've eaten recently, whether it was at a restaurant or at somebody's house or in your own kitchen? or on vacation just something that blew you away and it doesn't have to be yogurt related it could be anything
1: yeah that's a good question i recently went and had a very simple pasta dish at um, my friend alex's house and he just made like a very simple pasta with tomato sauce and it was like so good and he had Mm. so perfected it And I was actually at his house to teach him how to make yogurt. And I was like, oh, this is so good. What made
0: it so good? Like, what was the secret?
1: I don't know. I think it just was, like, the texture, the seasoning, Mm -hmm. just the right amount of pasta sauce. And also something that I don't normally, like, make myself. Like, I'm not a a very good pasta Uh, maker. Um, So I was like, damn, this, like... (laughs) He knows what he's doing <laughs>
0: okay that's a good answer I, I make good pasta so next if we ever get to meet in real life i'll bring you pasta and you can bring me yogurt
1: <laughs> that would be that would be an honor um, okay well, thank you well,
0: thank you so much for talking and congratulations on this gorgeous book i hope everybody goes out and buys it and i'm gonna go eat some yogurt and whey for lunch so <laughs> thank you again nice Adam, meeting you. Thank
1: you very much bye
0: all right, that's it for this week's episode of You've Gotta Taste This. If you want the recipe, once again, for the pancakes, head over to AmateurGourmet.com. And if you want to follow my cooking adventures, you can follow me on social media, at amateurgourmet on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, I'll see you back here next week.